I am so glad that you chose to come and worship with us today. I know that uh, every morning when we wake up, we have choices. Well, some of us don't feel like we have choices if we have to go to work. And we better, you know, get a paycheck and be able to, well, do all those things. But on a Sunday, many times, you have a choice. And, you know, as I look at a Sunday, I probably look at it just a little bit different than some of you. Rick, this is your job. You only work one day a week. At least you should show up for that day. You're right. I should. But honestly, I think this is my favorite of all the days. It is a time when I get to gather with God's people. It's a time when I get to focus on truth. I get to sing truth. I get to listen to God. And it changes me from the inside out. You know, this week, it just was a hard week. I knew the text, I read the text, I worked through the text, and for some of you who are newer, this is our 34th week in the Gospel of John. And if I'm honest again, this chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 of John has just overwhelmed me. I think of it when I wake up, I think of it when I Go to bed. These, these last few words that Jesus had with his team. They were frightened. They were afraid. He huddled them up together and he said, Hey, I'm leaving. Would you listen to me? And Jesus at this time saw in these 11 guys Well, some sadness, extreme sadness. They had only been hearing certain parts of his message. But Jesus was trying to encourage them and to inform them and to set them them up well for life in ministry. And I think, again, in spite of the week I've had, this was a perfect text for me. As I was praying this morning, I thought through the different, well, crises that I had the privilege of just walking through with some people or, or encouraging or hearing of some of my friends who are, who are suffering so hard. Of course, there's Al and there's Barb. But as we kind of even filter out from there, we, my wife and I have a a dear friend who's suffering with Parkinson's. A vibrant pastor just a few years ago. And it's just deteriorating. And we pray. And we wonder. We've got other loved ones went and officiated a a funeral yesterday. Uh, Again, of a good friend, but 
he's mourning the loss of his mom. One that loved the Lord, but suffered with pancreatic cancer. And so for months and months, saw her just deteriorate. But he and his wife, and me and my wife, and a multitude of other people understand that life is going to be hard. Understand that our God is so big and so amazing and so good. But sometimes the good and the big doesn't come together, does it? God, you are powerful. Why is this sickness? Why is this injustice? Why is this happening? And Jesus, sitting among his friends, hours away to suffer the worst of all fates, death by a cross. But what does he do? What does he focus on right now? Well, in chapter 13, if you've been with us, Jesus wants the disciples to know that he loves them like crazy. And so what does he do? Wash their feet. Take the place of a servant. He says, I just want you to know before you go, I love you guys like crazy. And then in chapter 14, he starts off like this. Don't let your heart be troubled. I know you're confused. I know this is scary. I know that not all this is making sense. I want you to look at me. Don't let your heart be troubled. Trust me. I have earned it. We've walked together for three years. You've seen me do amazing things. Trust me. You know, those were the words, some of the words I shared with Barb. And I says, you know, Barb, our God is worthy. She goes, I know, Rick. I'm just reminding you. Because I think there's going to be some times that you don't remember. And he's worthy to trust. So trust him. When your heart is bubbling over, when you don't have any sense of life, you trust your God. He is so worth it. It is so amazing when you put your faith in God. And at that exact moment, you look down the hallway in this ICU ward. It's just jam-packed with people. And, I, and my mind started wandering. Lord, what about all these people? Do they know you? Do they have a resource? Are they able to trust you in a new and a fresh way every day? Are you able to meet them where they're at? And I thought, Barb, you're so lucky. This isn't lucky. I, I get that. But Barb, you've got a dad. A good, good father. And then in 14, chapter 14, Jesus says, I give you a paraclete. A paraclete? A friend who will never leave you. You know, we're going to talk more about that in a second. Sounds like a parakeet. It is not, okay? It's a paraclete. And then he says, I'm giving you a gift of 
peace. You guys are troubled right now, I get it. But you know that if you listen to me, I am going to give you something nobody else can give you. No, money can buy. Oh, this is good. And then in chapter 15, he says this, I'm giving you the key to life and ministry. Just stay connected to the vine because without me, you can't do anything. Jesus said, I've chosen each one of you and I've given you an assignment so you go and produce lasting fruit. I know it's going to be tough out there because the world is going to treat you exactly the way that the world treated me. And guys, you've seen how the world treated me. In fact, you're going to see in just a few hours how much they hate me because they're going to scourge and whip. And they're going to do this all to a righteous man that never did anything wrong on the planet. Whoa. But... At the end of chapter 15, it says, the advocate will come and be with you. The paraclete. Well, this advocate seems rather important. So important that Jesus is going to focus on the advocate a fourth time during his last discourse. And honestly, I think you folks are going to be jacked on how wonderful and beautiful this gift is. I've asked Yvette to read our scripture, and if you have your Bibles, you can follow along with us in John chapter 16. If you don't, you can look up on the screen, Um, but we're going to start John chapter 16, starting at verse 1. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith, for you will be expelled from the synagogue, and the time is coming when those who kill you would think that they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now, so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer, but now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you, but in fact, It is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but I can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. And all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for all that you have done for us. We love it that you have for us your last words that you shared with your disciples. Lord, again, we know all your words are important, but but it just seems really important as you looked into these guys' eyes 
knowing that you were going to leave and wanting them to be prepared well. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the way that you have given us assignments. And we thank you for the way that we can look forward to spending all of eternity with you. That's a blessed hope, God. We pray for all those different churches in this area who are teaching your word today and are encouraging disciples. We pray for the Connection Church and the House of Prayer Church and Emmanuel and for New Hope. We ask, Lord, that as each of those churches gather, that you would give their people a sense of who you are and what you want them to do today. And may we join them as a great army of being salt and light in our world. We thank you again, Father, for this text and ask you to teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember that chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 is basically one long pep talk. If you could see Jesus as a coach, and if you could see that the disciples are just about to go on the playing field or on the court, these are the last few words that he is giving these guys. He spent three years of training with them. This is not new advice. I don't even believe this is the first time Jesus has been talking about all these things. But it's like, please hear. I am going to leave. You see, the master teacher knew exactly how to inform and remind and emphasize. His timing and repetition was perfect for the disciples. And let me say, critical for us. He knew life would be hard as soon as he left. They would see the torture that he would receive. But they were going to suffer greatly for following Jesus. Jesus probably knew more than they, well, Jesus did know more than they ever thought. And so as he shared these words, I think they heard him a little bit but probably didn't sink in. In chapter 15, he warned them of the world's hatred. And then in chapter 16, he starts right off and saying, hey, I want you to know. In fact, um, you may not know a little bit about what happened to the disciples, but because we live after them, well, let me share with you. John MacArthur, in his commentary, says actually this. From the inception of the church, the apostles and those closely associated with them endured intense persecution. They were ridiculed, scorned, denounced, hunted, arrested, beaten, and imprisoned. Many even paid the ultimate price, giving their lives as martyrs for the sake of the Savior. A brief survey of ancient Christian tradition reveals that Peter... Andrew and James, the son of Alphaeus, were all crucified. Bartholomew was whipped to death and then crucified. James, the son of Zebedee, was beheaded, as was Paul. 
Thomas was stabbed with spears. Mark was dragged to death through the streets of Alexandria. James, the half-brother of Jesus, was stoned by the order of the Sanhedrin. Philip was also stoned to death. Others included Matthew, Simon the Zealot, Thaddeus, Timothy, and Stephen, who were also killed for their unwavering commitment to the Lord. Now we hear this warning and we say, oh, you know what, that was good for those guys. Probably I'm not going to die because I'm a Jesus follower. Probably not. But there's other ways right here in this culture that suffering happens when you obey Jesus and carry his banner. A.W. Tozer said this, it, it mesmerized me. He said, men think of the world not as a battleground, but as a playground. We are not here to fight, we are here to frolic. We are not in a foreign land, we're at home. We are not getting ready to live, we are already living. We cannot afford to think this way. The longer we live here, the more homesick we should become. You know, the thought of Christ's departure made them very sad. And Jesus saw it as the night dragged on. So Jesus returns to the critical. He talks about this Holy Spirit. We see that especially in chapter 16, verses 7 all the way through 15. Let me read a few of those verses for you, starting at verse 7. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I don't go away, then, I'm sorry, if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Verse 8, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will, be, will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. You know, this talk of the Spirit had their heads spinning. In the Older Testament, the Holy Spirit was reserved for kings and prophets. And occasionally for regular folk when the Lord wanted to accomplish something extraordinary. So the idea that the Spirit of God would literally indwell each believer was unthinkable. An unbelievable truth that nobody was worthy of. Now he had already mentioned the Spirit three times. He focused on the comfort of the Spirit in chapter 14, verses 16, where he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will always be there for you. Next thing, in chapter 14, verse 26, he said, the Spirit will teach you and remind you of what you have learned. I'll take care of you, I'll comfort you, I'll teach you, I'll help you remember all that you need to know. And lastly, in chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus said, this Spirit will testify about me, Jesus. It'll help you get a clear picture of me. It will literally ignite you for the task that you have. 
Now, in our text, Jesus brings up the Spirit for the fourth time. Now, even if you're newer to the Scriptures, you know that every word is critical. When Jesus repeats something twice, it's pretty important. Three times, unbelievably important. This is the fourth time. He mixes it in with other things, but he wanted to make sure that they understood who this Holy Spirit was and how wonderful it was going to be that he was going to live in each one. In fact, Jesus may be saying this. You know, guys, we've hung out for the last three years. It's been awesome. It really has. We've been together. We've prayed. We've done miracles together. You have seen things that nobody else has ever seen. You've actually, again, connected with God in an unusual way for three years. But let me just say this. It's about to get better. And I'm sure at that moment, the guys are scratching their heads. Really, Jesus, how can life get better without you? I've always been able to go to you. You've explained all of the different things that are going on. I know, I know that it sounds like it's better, Jesus, but it doesn't feel like it. Literally, what Jesus is saying is this. Life will be better with the advocate, the comforter, the helper, the encourager, the friend, the counselor. The Greek word is paraclete. It is really hard to translate this word. All of your versions, and if you look at different good versions of the Bible, they'll all use these words, advocate, comforter, helper. And the reason is the translators aren't crazy. They're not confused. It's just a really hard word to actually translate. So if you have really small handwriting, every time this word is being used in your Bible, no matter how it's being translated, you could write advocate, comforter, helper, encourager, friend, and counselor. And that will take a little time. But that's who the Holy Spirit is. That's why Jesus was so excited. The advocate won't come if I stay. I have to go. Well, why is having the Spirit better? Again, very hard to understand to the disciples. Well, the biggest reason that it would be better is that there's unlimited and immediate access to God himself. Even though Jesus was around, there were times he wasn't around. There were times the disciples were in a boat without Jesus, and things didn't go well that day, that night. So it was something that Jesus was so convinced of. He says the Holy Spirit is going to live in you and never leave you. He's going to lead you in truth and teach you everything. He's going to remind you about what you have learned. He's going to help you see God clearer. This is going to be 24-7. You'll have this all the time. Now the problem is, if you are born again and you know the Lord and the Holy Spirit has been dwelling in you, well, this 
is not really abnormal. This is kind of cool. And depending on how long you've walked with God and enjoyed the Spirit's presence in your life, this is great. But you have to remember back then, the disciples didn't get all this. Now, are you really ready for more? Because here Jesus, like, dumps the truck, in my opinion. First of all, he says this in verse 16. I'm sorry. He says this in verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of coming judgment. The world will be active, or the Spirit will be active in the world, working on the redeemed. Jesus had reminded them, hey, I have told you to go. I have told you to go and be my witnesses, be my um, ambassadors. The Holy Spirit actually is going to be critical in your mission. The Holy Spirit is going to partner with you. Let me explain this. You see, our world has a wrong view or a poor view of sin, God's righteousness and judgment. Again, the word in your Bibles that's translated convict or something like that is a hard word to translate. Depending on the context, it means convict, convince, prove, bring to light, expose. Almost all of those English words realistically have a negative connotation. In this Greek word and in this structure, actually it's a very positive thing. He's saying this Holy Spirit is going to bring to light these things in all of your friends and your neighbors who are unredeemed that don't know Jesus. The Spirit will help the unredeemed understand what sin is and the fruit that follows. You see, so many times those that don't know God make fun of sin or make fun of rules or make fun of commandments or make fun of whatever you want. They don't ultimately understand that sin actually is not only an abomination to God, but it breaks the very way that each one of us have been wired We think, again, that sin is attractive, or at least our neighbors do. And all those folks need to understand exactly how horrific sin is. Sin is something that actually disqualifies you from enjoying life the way God intended. And the fruit of all sin is death. And the Holy Spirit is one who is able to encourage us and strengthen us and and be able to convict or bring to light what the true meaning of sin is so that someone would repent of that or turn to God. And then Jesus said, the sin that separates you from God is unbelief. That's critical. Then he said, the Spirit will help the blind to see God's righteousness. So many folks, again, you talk about God, you, well, say the word God. God is so scary. But the truth is, as as the Holy Spirit works in the unredeemed, 
they will be able to see that God's righteousness is something that is good. It stabilizes our world. Righteousness only comes from above. We cannot attain this ourselves. And then if we want to be righteous, we'll enter into that relationship with God. Lastly, the Spirit will help unbelievers understand judgment. You see, a righteous God will judge sin and rebellion now and later. We don't like that. We like to be in control. But as we understand who the king is, how wonderful the king is, how beautiful the king is, and that all of his principles and precepts have been given to us in order for us to live abundant life, that we will experience this freedom underneath this kingship, and that he only judges and punishes. When we're going off course, because he loves us and cares for us. You, Satan has already been defeated and, and judged. He's been cast from the heavenlies. And the final sentence against him will be carried out at the end of the millennium, according to Ro, uh, Revelation chapter 20. So what Jesus was saying is, when the Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And if you recall in that early chapters of Acts, 3,000 people, probably many of them Jews, came to faith and became part of God's family. If we look at it another way, maybe even a scarier way, believers are a billboard to help the unredeemed understand what it means to have a correct relationship with God understand what sin is and understand what judgment is because they live underneath the reign of the king and they keep focusing on the king. Their lives are different because of the king. It's pretty exciting. Then in verses 12 through 14, uh, let's read that. There's so much more that I want to tell you, Jesus said. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. Oh, the Spirit will guide you in all truth. This paraclete. Now, the Spirit's ministry is to call Scripture to mind, to illuminate its meaning, to couple it with experience and apply it to our lives. Each one of us have an opportunity to Understand who God is. Understand what he has for us. Be able to live life that's full and meaningful as we spend time in his word. As we open this up. It is so hard sometimes to be able to read the scriptures with someone who doesn't know Jesus. It is. We have an opportunity that they don't have. It doesn't make sense to them. And so as we open up the scriptures, we have a teacher. The Spirit magnifies God as he reveals truth to you. The Spirit will always glorify the Son, not himself. That's why technically ministries that overemphasize the Spirit more than Christ are inappropriate. Because the Spirit always pushes you and points you to Jesus. 
Lastly, what's so cool is that the Spirit will talk to you like I talk to you, Jesus said. Right there in verse 15. How cool is that? For three years, these guys had Jesus. And what Jesus is saying is, okay, I'm going to leave. You're going to have the Holy Spirit living in you. He will comfort you. He will teach you. He will illuminate all the things that you need to know. He will guide you. This is so cool. You will have God living in you. And he will speak to you. Well, well, Rick, uh, speak. Like, text message? No, no, I don't think so. But you know, as you spend time with God, as you walk with God, one of the things that is so clear, as you open up His Word, the Holy Spirit is one to take these words and concepts and be able to, well, stick out to you. You know, the Holy Spirit convicts me about my attitudes and about my behaviors. As I read through the Scriptures, as I understand what the Scriptures are telling me. And how cool is that? It must have been cool when we said this in the very beginning to hang out with Jesus for three years and be the Apostle John. But you know what Jesus was saying to the Apostles? It's even better now when I leave. Because all these things are going to be available to you, but not only available to you, but all those folks that are sitting here in July in 2018, the Holy Spirit is available to each one of you who know the Lord and are part of His family. You see, Christ's words were important back then, but I think they actually are critical today. Jesus soothed their pain with a wonderful truth. The Lord's physical presence would be replaced by something far superior. Jesus in the flesh could be, well, in only one place at a time, whereas the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at once. Limited access to the presence of God would give way to a continual communion with Him. Whether you're paddling a kayak, whether you're in a hospital room, whether you're taking a math test, wherever you are, God will be with you. Teaching will take place directly within the heart rather from some physical presence of God, Jesus. And far from being abandoned, these disciples would experience the presence of God like never before. That's why a few weeks back we talked about what it means to walk with the Spirit and how important it is for each one of us to confess our sin quickly so that we might reconnect with our God and be able to experience the Spirit, the leading, that we might be able to bear fruit and enjoy abundant living, that we would be more and more thirsty for eternity rather than for what's happening right now. So here's my question as we close. Do you believe life is better with the advocate 
comforter, helper, encourager, friend, counselor. The paraclete lives in you. And it not only transformed those disciples, it literally will transform each one of us. Let's pray. Father, to a group of men who were petrified, they just kept hearing the words, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave. And, and you kept saying, it's okay that I leave. Because although there were some tremendous things that happened for three years, and they lived with God, Jesus was proclaiming a truth that would transform them and transform us that God would live in us. We don't get this because we're holy. We don't get this because we go to church. Every son or daughter of God get this privilege. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you were so concerned about 11 guys. And you spoke to them and you encouraged them. And Lord, realistically, in just a few months, they began to change a world. A world that didn't know you. A world that ran from you. A world that is not so much unlike our world. We pray even today, Father that we would take advantage of your blessing, of having the Holy Spirit live within us. May the Spirit continue to guide each one of us. May the Spirit convict us, Lord, of areas that we're blind to and that we're rebelling against you. Father, guide and direct us. Help us see the assignments that you give us every single day. Perhaps it's just at a checkout counter. Maybe it's just you bump into a neighbor. Oh God, these are all divine appointments. And the Spirit will teach us what to say and how to say it. And Lord, as we open up your word every day, thirsty for your words, may the Spirit abundantly teach us, encourage our hearts. Father, may we be so dependent on you and so dependent on the Spirit's strength and leading that our lives would be so different, that we literally would be billboards that our neighbors and our co-workers and our family would see, well, that we're different. We treat others differently. We're kinder. We're more forgiving. We're gracious. Not because we're really good people, but because we hang out with you and listen to you. God, would you change our world? Would you change our suburb? Would you change 
the places we have contact with. Because you're working in us. Lord, we are so grateful for the Spirit. We are so grateful that we don't have to worry, that our hearts do not have to be troubled. We can trust you. Lord, help us even trust you when things don't make sense. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.